0: Welcome to the Parada Podcast, a podcast that takes 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Brought to you by Facebook. Filling in for Dan Primack, I'm Kim Hart. On today's show, concern about facial recognition software and Chinese telecom equipment maker Huawei prepares to take a big revenue hit. But first, a look at the planet's growing plastic problem. Plastics have become a fundamental part of our consumption habits, and that demand is projected to only increase. But just 9% of plastics were recycled in the U.S. in 2015. Globally, that number is about 20%. Some countries and companies are trying to reduce single-use plastics like straws and bags. But at the same time, the oil industry is looking to ramp up production of petrochemicals, the building blocks of plastics, while also pushing recycling programs. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios journalists Allison Snyder and Amy Harder. But first, this. If you're going to see ads, you probably want to see ads that feel relevant to you. Personalized advertising is why so much of the internet is free. To learn more, visit facebook.com slash about slash ads. Joining us in the studio is Alison Snyder, managing editor here at Axios, and Amy Harder, Axios columnist covering energy. They looked at the global plastics crisis as part of an Axios deep dive report this past weekend. So let's level set here. We've been using plastics for everything from toys to packaging to construction for decades. Why the sudden wave of attention to this issue right now?
1: There's two main reasons that experts tell me uh, this issue has sort of catapulted to the front burner. The first one is social media. Over the last several years, it has really put a really stark image to a lot of these issues. There was that video from a few years ago showing a plastic straw up the nose of a turtle. And I, I watched it as part of this reporting. And it's, it's several minutes long, and the people are trying to pull the straw out of the turtle's nose, and the and the turtle is bleeding and and really uncomfortable. And so things like that really tug at the heartstrings of people. The other one, which happened through 2017 to 2018, is that China, which had been taking up to 70% of the world's plastic waste, closed its door, and now it's almost nearly zero that it's taking in terms of our waste. So there's this global crisis going on about what to do with all the waste. And China has still the capacity to recycle all of these plastics, but other parts of the world do not. So those are the two reasons that are making this a crisis in this moment.
0: When I was in grade school, I remember learning a lot about recycling. There was a big emphasis on recycling programs and reduce, reuse, recycle. There was such a big emphasis on this, but the amount of waste that's actually recycled is appallingly low. I was really surprised by how low that number. Why is it so low?
2: Well, a couple of reasons. One, it's actually very intensive to do, both labor-intensive to sort the different types of plastic. It takes a fair bit of energy to wash it, melt it, shred it, and then get the product out of it. So it's both labor-intensive, requires a fair bit of energy, but also the other thing is that most plastic that is recycled is only recycled once, so it becomes things like Carpets, it becomes that wood, the plastic wood that you know, decks and whatnot are sometimes built. Benches benches and things like that. that. Mm -hmm. And then it's never recycled again. So that's something to keep in mind about it.
0: Interesting. And Amy, you wrote in your column this week that oil companies are trying to promote recycling programs despite the low rates we just talked about. Explain what's going on there. What's their motive there?
1: The two trends I just spoke of the social media and the China ban are pushing the world in one direction. But then you have these oil companies really doubling down on petrochemicals, which, as you said, are sort of the building blocks of plastics. Virtually all of our plastics in our world c- actually come from oil and gas, which I, I'm not sure how many people actually know that. And so these oil companies, which are facing pressures sort of on a parallel track of reduced oil demand and transportation and some other sectors, are looking to petrochemicals as a growth area. So they're looking to double down in this area, and there's multibillion-dollar plans being built here in the United States and around the world. And so since they want to remain having this a growth area, they want to have us get better at recycling. And there is some truth to that. I mean, independent experts I talked to did say that At a very basic level, this is really a waste problem, not necessarily a plastic problem, that there's a lot of benefits to plastics. They're durable, things like that. But nonetheless, these companies want the world to continue to use plastics. And so they launched an alliance earlier this year that's focusing on about 10 rivers, mostly in Southeast Asia, where most of plastic pollution in the ocean is actually originating from here, about 90 percent. So, you know, this is partly it makes sense to get better at recycling, but also these companies want to see the Demand for oil continue to grow in a world that's aggressively addressing climate change, and this is one key way.
2: I think this is actually a really important point too. That, and a couple of people, including a, a researcher who was trying to develop alternative plastics, he was very, very careful to make the point that plastics are really important. They're necessary. They're key parts of our industry, of our consumption. He mentioned they anchor things like windmill turbines and blades, and solar cell coatings, things that are part of the renewable energy economy as well. So nobody's saying no more plastics altogether. They're really important for so many things that we do and use every day.
0: And Allison, you wrote about scientists trying to create plant-based alternatives to plastics. Why are plastics so hard to break down?
2: Well, there's a couple of things. One, there's definitely a move to create alternatives, so plant-based, and there's been a a fair number of advances in sort of this green plastics movement. They're hard to break down because, actually, it's not the, the chemical itself, but what happens is we we scent them, we color them, they're mixed together with other plastics. And so when every time you recycle them, the product sort of becomes degraded more and more. And so people are trying to come up with different ways of actually making the plastics so that they can be recycled more and more not necessarily endlessly but more than once
0: and the plant-based alternative means that they're just more biodegradable and
2: easier to break down without having to deal with all of those processes no actually the plant-based stuff came from a different place and that was that people were really interested in addressing the source so addressing the petrochemical source and oh, not so much the product and what's happened though is that shifted a little bit over the years yes you know it's important to think about long term what other sources or feedstocks might be used for plastics but the a more immediate concern is the waste one and that it is building up and what are the different ways in which that can be addressed? And so some of them are through new chemistries for creating the plastics themselves. But another thing is to look at that waste and how might it be degraded. There are things like enzymes that are taken from bacteria that eat plastic. there are other alternative forms of chemistry. there are, I think in Europe they use pyrolysis. they actually do a way of sort of incinerating the plastic. So, there's sort of different focus.
1: Waste to energy is one way to get rid of plastics and all sorts of waste, but it's also very controversial because if you don't have strict pollution controls on it, it's just one of the most polluting forms of electricity. And so that's something that China, meanwhile, while it's closing its doors to recycling imports, it's actually doubling down on waste to energy to deal with its own waste. So that's one controversial angle to all of this seems like a
0: product problem that doesn't really have any one solution and won't be solved for a really long time. But um, thank you so much, Amy and Allison, for joining us in the studio. My final two after this. Advertisers use ad space as a way to reach people more effectively. And since they know their ads need to be relevant for people to take action, creating more tailored content makes sense. Visit facebook.com slash about slash ads to learn more. Now it's time for my final two. First, 23 House Democrats are expressing concerns over facial recognition systems. There is bipartisan support for regulating facial recognition software due to concerns about potential abuse by law enforcement and also the risk of broad surveillance, like what you find happening in places like China. As Axios's AI reporter Kaveh Waddell reported recently, there are millions of surveillance cameras in the U.S., but not nearly enough eyes to watch them all. But now, AI software can flag behavior it deems suspicious in real-time surveillance feeds, as if there are eyes watching watching the footage at all times. The long-term impact could be losing anonymity in public, something a lot of us probably take for granted. Second, Huawei's founder and CEO said the company expects revenues to drop $30 billion below forecast over the next two years due to the trade restrictions with the U.S. Overseas smartphone shipments will drop around 40%, the company said. The telecom equipment maker maintains that the U.S. trade strategy is misguided and that security and trade issues are being conflated. As Axios' Ina Fried points out, Huawei could benefit if China makes looser restrictions on Huawei, part of its demands and future bargaining. And we're done. My thanks to producer Tim Shovers. As Dan would say, have a great National Go Fishing Day. Exio's editor-in-chief Nick Johnston will take the mic tomorrow with another Prorata podcast.